The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's Hale Varsity Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Hey. Uh, just for the record, we were up and ready to go at 7 a.m. Yeah, kind uh, of. I mean, yeah, kind let's of. just say some uh, of us had were. To, we've had we've had to, to move locations because clearly sitting at the same table together this morning was going to cause all sorts of technical hell. Mm-hmm. The other piece of advice from last night is if you think you are man on enough or woman enough to take on an 18-ounce Kansas City, New York strip. <laughs> Think again. Granak, I was out by, what, 9.45? And I feel um, like someone needs yeah. to take a, a a billy club to my midsection so I can feel better. I'm hurting today for the wrong reason. Uh, I, I fought the meat sweats and lost last night, fellas. Yeah, it was rough. I think it was the peppercorn on top. So you, you, you could you could do the optional peppercorn, and that adds I don't know, just about eight pounds of gas internally <laughs> to your body. I think I don't know, but we walked out of there. We we were both. I mean, it was bad. It was it was like you just felt puffy. You were just filled with air, and I was just like I just want to let out. I just want to let out the the deepest burp I've ever <laughs> let out, and I couldn't. And so I took Tums. And then I was uh-huh. fine. I rallied. I was able to still meet our our uh, compadres while you was, was there. A pun intended there. You're able to still meet your compadres, huh? Well huh? played. Ah, meet. Ah, there you go. I see what you're doing there. That was weak. Oh, already but... at seven <laughs> seven fifty six a.m. So we are here. We are absolutely thankful you're here for the weekend edition. Uh, Brandon Vogel, Connor Reed coming up. In a little bit, uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Guys, uh, a lot to keeping with the meat theme digest with Nebraska, Minnesota. It's been a couple of days now. The rest of the college football world gets after it. Some uh, excitement when we think about big noon today because Nebraska's next opponent, Colorado, is, uh, well, it's Coach Prime's debut at TCU, what what do the buffs look like? What's Nebraska in for a week from today when we're in Boulder at the blur parties getting set up? Uh, a lot to uh, to think about with uh, Nebraska and uh, their task, and that is where can Nebraska be in one week? Let me ask you this. Do you guys – and I kind of spurred some thoughts. I was watching P.J. Flex post game, and he was – ultra complimentary about what Nebraska was, how just difficult their defense was to prepare for, preparing for those ghosts. As much Syracuse film as they had watched, it didn't matter because you didn't have similar personnel. And it's been a talking point about how how Nebraska's 3-3-5 defense is different than, than what a lot of 3-3-5 defenses are just because of the size you have up the middle with uh, Polar Bear and, and Robinson, uh, that was something that they had no 
way to, to combat. That's why the running game was uh, stuck in, in the mud for Minnesota, and it was a credit to Nebraska. Uh, I, I'm interested to see just where uh, the defense can make a, a, a jump. But, you know, offensively, Nebraska's got to hone in on what they can do well, how they can get better with the running back run game. And, of course, from a decision-making standpoint, you don't want to kind of paralyze free flow and play with you uh, with a super athletic and talented quarterback in Sims. But you, you can't also be, be forcing it in. I mean, those are all some things that got to get better from week one to week two. And, and Fleck was like, I don't believe you make your biggest jump week one to week two. You keep building as the season goes on. Uh, guys, that's the, the thing that Coach Rules talked about a lot with this season being a bit of a marathon, but yet you'll want to be able to, to sprint to the finish. And Shmita, I want to go back to your, the point you made about Nebraska's defensive line real quick, because really the Nebraska defense was, was one of the main points that I came away from that game feeling positive about. And as you go talk to, to Husker fans around and, uh, and other people in the media as well, it's, it's uh, a, a common theme, man. The defense really did play well. But I do want to put one thing in, in, in context here, and that's that we, we did mention leading into that show on, on Thursday, leading into the game, our pregame show, that as Minnesota's fall camp wore on, I think the, the offensive line was one of the areas where they felt weakest, and that comes from uh, what was reports that were coming out of fall camp. You heard it in some Minnesota podcasts as they were kind of previewing the game, and then you kind of heard it from P.J. Fleck himself as he talked about the fact that they didn't have a solid offensive line. They, they had seven or eight guys they felt good about, and they wanted to see those guys in game action first, and that's one of the reasons why Minnesota decided to go chuck it around 44 times in the game on Thursday night. And one thing that is nice is I don't think the offensive line is going to be the strong point of Colorado, of Northern Illinois, of Louisiana Tech, but the, but the, the other Big Ten giants are looming. And, and I'm not sitting here saying that the, the defense is a, a perfect product. I mean, some people, I think, really feel good about where the defense is at. I am one of those people. But that, mm-hmm. this defense, it's not just the offense that's going to have to show progress over the next couple of weeks because I don't think that – that the, the the physical lines of scrimmage that we're used to from Minnesota over the past couple of years are necessarily what we saw on Thursday night. I do think that defense is going to have to continue to build as the season goes on, too. And I know, obviously, we're going to talk about what the offense needs to improve upon, but I just wanted to, to lay out how I feel about the defense, and that's that that defense needs to show some improvement, too. They looked really good. It's a good starting point, but I'm not fully convinced that whenever the the likes of Michigan and Iowa and other teams like to really run downhill in the Big Ten. Once you play them, I'm not convinced that that defensive line and that, that defense as a whole is ready to go for that just yet. They're going to have to continue showing progress, but I do like what I saw from them on Thursday night. What are they going to yeah. do against the better lines, right? Yeah. That's the question. Brandon Vogel with us from Counter Reed at Brandon L. Vogel. Cranach, jump in there. Sorry, I had to reset. No, you're fine. I, I was just saying, you know, and even though it's a three-three-five, and that's much ballyhooed, technically – they started four defensive linemen. That's what they started with against, uh, against Minnesota. So it's a, for, for those that were wondering, would that alignment work out? Like, oh, it's not enough beef. Well, they can switch it up if they want to, mm-hmm. right? And they can, they can start four. So they did do that against Minnesota, which seemed to be somewhat effective. But point well taken, Elijah, that it's like, yeah, that's not – there's probably not a bunch of Outland winners on that Minnesota line right now. Um, <laughs> so, so let's see. Let's see what not, happens. Not yet. As Brandon, uh, as Brandon Vogel slides in, and I don't. Some, there's something. Is there something different about your backdrop, or is it the fact that you have a black hat on today? Something it's is the just black. Different? It's the black hat. It's the black. Yeah, hat. It might might be the black. Um, okay. Happy, happy Deion Sanders Day, everyone. 
Oh yeah, happy Deion Sanders Day to you. Well, it was, as well. it and was funny because as Schmidt was was laying out that it was Coach Prime's first game, Deion Sanders, there was Coach Prime highlights that came on the TV behind him. You could see like Coach Prime uh, playing, like it was baseball, and then it was him with the Falcons, and it was him with the Cowboys, just making plays. And I'm like, the, the timing on that was just too perfect. Listen, how many how many teams did Deion rock? Cincinnati, San Francisco, Atlanta, New York. Where else am I? Major League Baseball. I think those are the four. Right? I think so. And then with the NFL, we're talking Atlanta, uh, San Fran, Dallas. Dallas. And then Dallas. Washington. He ended his career with the mother of all uh, Washington. Was he with Baltimore? Wasn't he with Baltimore too? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh. We will. We will Wikipedia Second, in two yeah. seconds. But but Dion had the mother of all pinstripe suits on when he signed his deal with Washington. It was the maroon and gold, uh, the the glowing maroon suit with the yellow pinstripes, and I think he had uh, the the brightest yellow tie I've seen in my life. Uh, PJ, PJ Fleck wears some suit has some suits like that. Uh, yeah. he, he does. And he has bright yellow ties. Vogue's <laughs> just awesome write-up partner on Counter Reed with, with Nebraska and your thoughts on the, the Nebraska-Minnesota game. And, uh, you know, it, it's just different where a lot of us either picked a, a tight Minnesota win or just as you looked in the mirror and made your prediction, weren't sure. What, what A lot of Nebraska fans – not sure that Nebraska was ready for Minnesota game one, meaning it's too much to ask uh, game one on the road in, in Minneapolis. And then you, you you watch the game and you come away irate that Nebraska lost because it was there for the taking. So the score uh, going into this and the end of it doesn't match what uh, the, the, the four quarters looked like because it was there for Nebraska to get out of town with a win and and that's something that's been a wrestling match here the last three days for Nebraska fans what could have happened versus what happened and then the optics of it being kind of what you thought maybe going in (laughs) yeah I mean in a lot of ways the game kind of um, it it answered some questions for the positive I think and answered some for the negative if you went into that game or I went into that game thinking okay gonna be pretty pretty slow and sloggy and uh ugly for for lack of a better term and minnesota's like it's been playing that for seven years now under under pj fleck nebraska hasn't been could they be in for that kind of game yeah they were um that said uh it it comes down well you you can't you can't turn the ball over four times that's that's what it is and and you trust you trust a minnesota to make those plays more than you trust in nebraska based on their track record so it kind of it, it unfolded very much to to type. I think uh, based on on what this game looked like going in, uh, it was unfortunate we we had to reset our workplace counter to 285 days since we last had to say, yeah, it was a loss. But if you look at the numbers, actually, <laughs> um, which I'm very much uh, I'm yeah. very much tired of of saying that as someone who <laughs> says it pretty often, but that's. It's what it was. But if, um, but if you look at the numbers, oh man, uh, Brandon Vogel is with us. And all right, so we talked a little bit about this <clears throat> yesterday. Nebraska has now spent what two decades, two decades, 
trying to furnish an offense that will appeal to NFL quarterbacks, NFL receivers, right? Optimize because like those kids don't want to play in some option running offense, right? They're not coming. And then we added it up. And in the past 20 years, Nebraska has sent exactly what? Two human beings at those positions. Three. To, to the NFL. What do you mean three? Trey Palmer. You keep Niles. like Trey Palmer. Yeah, oh, Trey three. Palmer. He doesn't count yet. He hasn't even yes, played. Yes, he does. He made, he made the roster. Pick. He made He's the active roster. Pick that made the roster. Thank you. That okay. absolutely counts. Okay. But anyways, you've sent. In the, Stanley in those, Morgan, four. We have to four. Okay. Okay. Fine. Okay. You got, you got four. Four. Okay. So every five years, you get one of those guys. Brandon Riley. But he didn't. No, he didn't. He had some preseason goodness, and then it just never. Marty Pearson L. Alonzo Moore. Oh, no. There's also, uh, what's his name? That's uh, uh, Samore Torre. Uh-huh. He's, he's exactly. made a roster, too. You can get a half point for Wandale Robinson, right? Yeah. Eh, it, it, that's tough. My, that's tough. Okay, I, to your, let's narrow to your, it down to quarterbacks. To your point. <laughs> to your point. Let's narrow it down to quarterbacks. It's, it's, it's not. It's not a factory like LSU. Can you, can stop, <laughs> stop fact checking me this morning. This is a bunch of crap. This is not what I joined here for. Not what I woke up early for. Um, okay, let's narrow it to quarterback though. Nebraska's had more quarterbacks in its history convert to safety in the NFL than have actually played the position of quarterback in the NFL. Just saying it's not happening, right? And then you look at what Jeff Sims is. Look at what Heinrich Harburg is. Look at probably what Chubba Purdy is. There, there ain't a Tom Brady on this roster right now. And you've heard a lot of people say, oh, we can't have Sims run the ball that much. I'm like, why the hell not? He's good at it, right? He's not good at throwing really well. Yeah, the, the line isn't very good at pass protection, don't have a big f- fleet group of receivers. Why the hell not? Why would Nebraska not be a total ground-based quarterback and tailback running offense? What say you, Brandon? Um, I thought Rule was was pretty good on that. Um, well, you know, I know he said over the summer. I think he said it to you, Schmitty, at Big Ten Media yeah. Days. Like, look, they don't want to they don't want to run a bunch of QB power and like those things that are like, yes, 100% this play, Jeff Sims, you are running it. I think where you get the wiggle room here is like limiting those pieces of it. But as, as rule said, post game, you know, they had a bunch of read plays um, where Jeff Sims and and based on his numbers was making the right read um, decided to take it. And he, you know, he really gets dangerous when you can pull it down and scramble situations Nebraska's passing game uh, wasn't strong enough, I think, to – I mean, there, there wasn't a lot of impetus to throw the ball more than Nebraska did, unfortunately. And that's going to be – that's probably the biggest thing offensively going forward is just uh, that receiver group and obviously the the four interceptions. Um, it, looked, it looked a lot I, – I guess my concern offensively is I think they would like to run Jeff Sims a few less times. Um, sure. Can you get a, a run game outside of him going better than they were able to? And now Minnesota is, is, is a good defensive team was replacing a good chunk, but you know, that's a, a, a well-established kind of identity there for them. So, 
that's that's a piece of it. I mean, it looked a lot, I think, to your point, Mark, coming out of that of like, oh boy, this is this is kind of what it's going to be. Like their best chance to win games is going to be running Jeff Sims more than anybody yeah. anybody probably thought. It's Brandon Vogel like, with us here, and, and real fast, Mark, just to, to jump ahead, I want to get it. Better be real fast because oh man, I got a point. Go for it. Go for it. Then. Just kidding. Go for I'm it. kidding. I'm totally. Please. I'm totally. Please. Wow. No. no please. No, I turn no, the floor go, over to you, Mark. No, no. Tyrant. No, I was, I was just going to say, and the point is winning, right? Like, the point is to actually win. So if that gets you your best chance, and then here's the refrain, well, he won't be able to survive the season taking all those hits uh, running. If, and it's like, okay, so you're saving him for what? For more interceptions? Like, <laughs> we got to keep him healthy so that he can throw picks into traffic. Like, no, you don't have to keep him healthy for that. Like, you run him because that's your best chance to win. And if he gets hurt, then Harburg comes in, who also can't throw. Or, or <laughs> I mean, allegedly, that's what we've heard, right? And then we've seen Purdy. I didn't see Joe Montana there. I mean, anyway, sorry. Go ahead, Elijah. Well, we just got more comments in as we did yesterday. Let's pull it up here. Jamal Lord 2.0. It, it's not, it's it, not it, Jamal it, Lord. It, it's the common thing we're hearing over the past couple of days. Though. Uh, and Schmitty and I. It's that feel. It's that feel of, okay, there's... Uh, way more explosive, positive opportunity with him running the football than having something good happen when it comes to throwing the football. It's got to be play action. It's got to be wide open. It's got to be based off of some sort of run threat where the passing game can thrive and survive. Okay. That's, that's, that's something that you're probably looking at real hard this week if you're Nebraska going forward. You're going to have to score a hell of a lot more points than 10. Uh, you're not always going to face defenses that are on the level of Minnesota or what Minnesota can can be, especially their secondary. But Nebraska has work to do, and they have, to rules point, lots of season left to get it done. We're going to coach him up, right? Does that not – that burns in my mind where he's – not happy with the result he expects more from his quarterback that's played a lot of football and it, it could get better I, I think there's a lot of nebraska fans and i'm still in that camp as well where all right it, you don't want to you don't want to make your uh, final ruling yet because it is just one game but man it's got to get a lot better vogues and it's got to get get better quickly because you know for whatever colorado is and isn't uh, you know that the back end is going to be pretty high-level talent and well-coached because of prime. And then, you know, it may it, as bad as their offensive line might be or as thin as it might be against what Nebraska looks to be pretty good up front, it takes one little bubble screen and a missed tackle for one of their little dudes in the skill spot offensively to hit, to hit a big play. We'll know more later, but uh, next Saturday is so do or die for the rest of the season. Uh, when we talk about postseason and getting to six. Yeah, I mean, to the, you know, like you guys seen a lot of Jamal Lord comparisons. Uh, I, I will note, Nebraska has been on the field for 63 plays so far. Um, but also, <laughs> if, if we if we follow, follow the, the Jamal Lord track, and you think about this season really honestly and objectively, would you take seven and seven? Did you take 2002 yes. Jamal Lord it's a, <laughs> right. to get him to seven and seven? I, I, I think I probably, I think I probably would. 
Um, you know, look ahead a little bit to, to Colorado. Um, they're going to be really good at quarterback. I think you can put that one, put that <laughs> one in eight. I'm, I'm really uh, not just based on Dion, but based on the guys that they have. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm real interested to get a look at what the, what the buffs look like today. Um, but I think the, the game plan for Nebraska, unless something major changes in a couple of hours and they take the field, Colorado, um, it's going to be pretty smash mouth is, is how Nebraska wins that game offensively. Uh, can they do that? Uh, you know, a lot of people have questions about, about Colorado up front. We'll get a look at that too uh, here in a little bit, but in, in many ways, I think the Minnesota game, even though it was a loss, uh, should prepare Nebraska pretty well for next Saturday based on what we expect to see from Colorado. Hmm. And Brandon Vogel is, is with us. And Now, in terms of playing more smash mouth, it seems like just when you boil it down and you simplify it, I think you had something like five running back runs in the first half. I think I – think, I think Gabe Irvin had two, and Grant had three. Maybe Ramirez had one. It was something like that. It was a really low, low number. It's, it's kind of that, right? Like, just feed it a little bit more to the backs, maybe take a little bit off of Sims, but rely on that as your offense. Like, that's it. And to do that, we tried to get into this yesterday, too, and then Chris started talking about feet, and it got ridiculous. But I did not. You were the one that part, led into restraints. Part of it, right, part of it as, as an offensive coordinator is showing restraint. So even though your down and distance sheet tells you, hey, time to throw it, you know, based on this situation, yeah, hold yourself back a little bit, keep it on the ground. Like, don't throw unless you absolutely effing have to. <laughs> I mean, do, do you think that's what Nebraska should adopt based on what we've seen small sample size so far? Yeah, I think they. I think they probably want to get there. Uh, part of the challenge of, of playing Minnesota is that they're really good with just their ability to control the clock, of putting teams on their back foot right away. And so you know they come out there that that first drive and and chew a lot of clock, and flip the field as much as you can flip it. Nebraska starts from the one yard line, and their response to that was really good. Like even just getting out of there. Um, I thought was encouraging. And then Minnesota went on another long drive. <laughs> and, you know, Nebraska hardly had the ball in that first half. And then for that the way, that to end the way that it ended right before halftime with the turnover inside five, um, some pretty tough blows that, that Nebraska sustained. But at that point, they're, they're only down 3 nothing. So I think against a Colorado or against anybody going forward, you know, I'd be interested to see what things would have looked like if it had been exactly flipped. If Nebraska had taken the ball first and, and came out and, yeah, it doesn't score, but puts together a solid drive, burns some clock, and punts it down to the one. Uh, that's, I think, going to be the difference. And, you know, we've got 11 games to go, but I, I think what most of us probably assumed coming in, based on Nebraska's talent, how they want to play, or how they said they want to play, we've seen one game now, like, it's just going to be a knife's edge. Like, most of the season. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, I, <laughs> I know people are, are drastically tired of this. I, I'm very tired of like 
pulling these numbers, but it's just how I look at it. And it's like, you lost by three and you were, you were minus three in, in turnovers. Like that's, that's, that's what it is, unfortunately. So I think once we move past that piece of it, like there'll be a lot um, that's actually encouraging from that, that opening game. And Brendan, I think one of the things that has left people a little bit discouraged in addition to the turnovers from the offense is just that some of the things we saw in game one flew in the face of what we heard the coaches say throughout summer and throughout fall camp, whenever they talk about, well, how much of an advantage the tight end position is going to be. They felt good about that, but then you only have one catch uh, from Nate Borkature in the tight end position. It's that one-handed catch down by the goal, and I think was about two yards. And I guess if you count the Heinrich Harburg catch as a, a tight end catch, you can throw that in there as well. But Heinrich Harburg is your third re- leading receiver. That's a surprise to people. Billy Kemp. Only one target in the game on Thursday night. It's an interception. They, they never go back to Kemp, a guy that is expected to be one of the leaders in your wide receiver room. And then you have Anthony Grant, who was said a week and a half ago was a, a fumbling issue. And then you see him in crunch time moments fumbling the football. People weren't expecting to see that. There's just a lot that flew in the face of what the coaching staff had to say through fall camp. And I want to get your take on what was most surprising to you from what we saw from, from Coach Satterfield's offense on Thursday night. Uh, probably Grant, um, Grant's role in that game and which ties a little bit to what was ended up being Gabe Irvin's minimal role in that game. I mean, there was a point in the second, early in the second half where I I texted a friend of mine and said, and Nebraska had the lead at this point. And I'm like, it's curious that the guy, the head coach just said a week ago is the third string because he's got a fumbling problem. It seems to be their primary rusher right now. Um, and it was fine for, for another, you know, like 10, 12 minutes of game clock. And then, and then the fumble came and, you know, it's not Nebraska didn't lose the game solely because of that, not putting it all on one guy, but that was probably the most dissonant piece of it um, where I was like, I was like, wait a second, Didn't, weren't we just a week ago talking about uh, a potential a potential issue here? And, and you know, I thought Rule did, did a good job kind of explaining that piece of it post-game too. Um, it's just, you know, it's it's the first game for a new coaching staff as well, and even one that I, I, I do think is well-prepared um, and very organized. Like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a season opener. Um, so things, every game kind of has its own uh, – its own story and you you try to prepare the best you can. But once you get in there, you you get past those first two drives, it's really about reaction and and the decisions that you make real time. Some pluses to take away from Nebraska for as much as, you know, there's a lot to not like about what you saw offensively and the results, of course. Um, I saw noticeable improvement special teams wise. You had a big return. I think Nebraska probably equaled their punt return yards in one game that they had all season. And that was like eight yards. I mean, it wasn't a lot, um, but they tried to return it a couple times. And then just punting also. I mean, you're 47 plus yards per punt in Penn, Minnesota inside the 23 times. Um, good stuff from, from that standpoint in terms of just like an overall unit. Was, was that your kind of takeaway too, Brandon, that overall the team – Seemed like it did make some improvements. Just obviously had those had those snafus offensively. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you wanted to to boxing card this thing, like special teams win for Nebraska. I think yeah. defensively win for Nebraska. Though, if you mm-hmm. wanted to call it a draw, just based on 
get forcing four four turnovers for Minnesota. You could talk me into that, and then offensively, um, I, I would give that one to to Minnesota. Um, you know, not just special teams. I thought both sides of the ball, but I particularly noted it noticed it defensively. Nebraska looked really physical, um, and Minnesota did too. Um, it was just a physical game, but we haven't seen that all the time in, in the past for for Nebraska. So. Those were those were in, encouraging signs. You know, I heard Chris talking about it a little bit before I came on. You know, PJ Flex comments post game. I thought I thought were pretty interesting too. Um, and here's one here's one for the the Jamal Lord fans out there. He compared uh, compared this three three five to preparing for the triple option uh, back when he had to do it for Syracuse. Specifically mentioned, he's like, I'm glad we had four weeks to do that before yep. playing Syracuse in the in the pinstripe bowl. Here, they, of course, had an entire offseason to try and not prepare because there was no film of this defense, but y- you think about it conceptually. So it's, it's interesting. And, you know, and that's an advantage that'll, that'll wane a little bit uh, as, as Nebraska goes on. Um, you'll at least see how they choose to do things. But the, the kind of core benefit, I think, of this, this defensive approach, which is, yeah, but you can still – you can see what we've done in the past, but it still doesn't change on a play-to-play basis. Like we can get really, really creative and confusing. So that was that was encouraging too to uh, to, to hear the opposing coach talk about it that way. Hmm. Brandon Vogel with this weekend edition. Hail Varsity at Brandon L Vogel. Find him on Twitter. Read him with Counter. Read him and Aaron Sorensen do an awesome job. So I'm I'm anxious, Vogues, as we try and project. Saturday in Boulder. Uh, it's going to be a, another early season, kind of a gut check. That's uh, a good thing you can take away from Minnesota, where I mean, it, it went down to the wire. And I think it's okay to say, look, you found a way to lose, right? Minnesota made some plays. As good as the defense was, there was at least one more stop you needed, and they're going to take that with them and, and probably use that as fuel for this week against Colorado. Offensively, I think that's all of our question marks. Okay, can the O-line get better for more of a running back run game? Can you give yourself a, more of a, a look at a guy like Irvin that can can hammer away and get you those benchmark 75 yards in the fourth quarter? Are you going to go back to being a fourth quarter team running the football uh, versus dancing with the, the passing game a little bit? And then finally, uh, let's get into Sims uh, just for, for one last second, uh, not to, to beat a dead horse, but I, th- I think let's let's look at the, the the upside to Sims's ability. Let's go there for a moment as to, okay, say he gets coached up. What's, what's the best version of Jeff Sims Nebraska can see Saturday and beyond? Let's say Nebraska develops a, a quarterback that's got a ton of talent uh, and, and they get better as the season goes on. What's, a ceiling for Sims. We all went into this. I did anyway with some expectations based on health and uh, skill sets that, okay, the, the guy can can run about 12 times a game. I think the, the pitch counts probably 15 to 20 pass attempts. Uh, and, and clearly the decision-making is going to be drilled on in that quarterback room film session-wise. But it seems a guy Nebraska can win with moving forward. I think so. If, if some of those other pieces come along, like you look at, 
which the other piece in particular being, I think the run game first and foremost, um, you, you look back at the Minnesota game, like the one that you absolutely can't have is the interception in the end zone. Right. The other two, um, like, May I don't know, but in a, and I'm, I'm forgetting the, the other who, who had the other interception, good players, a couple of Minnesota's best players and guys who have been, who have been that for, for a while. So still you want to, you want to avoid those. Um, you know, I was looking at one kind of advanced stats breakdown, which, you know, expected turnovers in this game, which, you know, is based on how many times balls fumbled, no matter who recovers it and pass pass breakups and that sort of thing. It was actually even, it was about one each. Um, so for it to be four to one means that Minnesota basically intercepted every, almost every ball that it got its hands on, which doesn't usually happen. You usually get about 20% of those. Um, mm. So things like that, I think just being a little bit smarter, um, also having a game under your belt for, for Sims. So can they win with him? I, I think they can, you know, I think if he is, so he's, you know, let's see one and one to three now touchdown to interception, like a great season for Sims would probably knowing that's where we, we have to go from would probably be like 15 to 10, um, which tends still a lot of interceptions. But I think if you could get that, um, that probably means Nebraska's in the six and six range. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of comments coming in where, um, you know, folks are looking, of course, ahead to Colorado. And uh, as we watch them today, um, are, are you looking for just whether they can hold up on the lines? Is that essentially it? Uh, I, 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 that's what I'm trying to project forward is, are they going to have Shadur running all over the place because they can't protect? He's being chased. <laughs> and are they going to be able to stop like when, when you want to run it at them? Are they going to be able to stop that? It's, it kind of comes down to that, doesn't it, for you? Yeah, I think so, particularly as it, you know, when you look at it through a Nebraska lens of like, oh, what's Nebraska going to try to do do against them? Um, yeah. Defensively, I'll be I'll be real interested to see what, what Colorado is able to do. Um, I do think both lines for the buffs are, are kind of the headliner here. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see Shadur Sanders. Um, good player, uh, you know, at, at Jackson state, he was a guy who had, had some, some FBS offers. Um, let's, let's see what he can do against, uh, you know, a big 12 team. Now um, there's that piece of it. And then the, the other one, I, I think the one that, you know, from a Nebraska perspective could make you the most nervous going into you is let's see what the offense looks like broadly. Sean Lewis, really good offensive coordinator. Uh, they're, if he get when he gets that offense up and running, they can put up a ton of points. Former Kent State head coach left the head coaching job uh, to to be Dion's offensive coordinator, which is interesting in its own right. But uh, if you didn't watch a ton of Kent State uh, in the MAC, they they were putting up a ton of points. But oh, they also were a team that kind of bizarrely moved the ball pretty well against Georgia last year um, in, a, in a game that everybody assumed was just going to be 50, 56 to nothing. So that's, um, that's, that one, that's worth keeping an eye on. They've, they've got a good guy on the headset on offense. Bogues, what'd you think of Nebraska's portal additions? And this kind of touches on Moonbot's comment. Um, you know, the, the, 
the care the the carries, the touches, the snaps. When we look at Elijah Judy's a guy that we didn't hear a ton about in camp post spring, right? You've got MJ Sherman, Chief Borders, Billy Camp, of course. Uh uh you have uh Sims. What did you think of the the portal additions for game one? Uh, for Nebraska, uh, lumping their performances or lack thereof? Um, oh, I thought they were pretty easy to miss because I didn't think about them as as kind of a group at all, um, which, you know, I think is is kind of what, what the question is is getting at. You know, it's, 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 it's how that can go often. Like, in, in Nebraska, I would say, outside of Sims um, and Thompson last year, and then the past two years prior to that, two really good pickups at, at wide receiver, you know, none of, none of Nebraska's transfer portal additions, and it's possible I'm forgetting somebody where, but none of them have been just like, Oh, slam dunk. Like somehow they just pulled the best player from, you know, uh, inserts insert school here although Samari Turi may have been that but that's the, you know coming from FCS so that's the piece of it like yeah it's 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 good when guys are you know I've said this before you know four star former four star five star high school recruits uh it's it's great that they went to you know a power program if they didn't play a lot um sure maybe a reset is is what they need but I think that too often becomes the the through line there of like, ah, oh, you take this guy from Alabama and uh, you, you, who, could, who could crack the depth chart there? You could be a second round draft pick and, and never play. Well, the reality is often a little bit different. And again, you know, 63 plays. Well, defense had more. So we call it 70-ish plays is, is all they had. And so we'll see. And, and and I think some of this too comes in with being a year one scenario for, for Matt rule. Like he's really serious. And I don't know if this played into, to how much any of those guys played or not, but he, he's really into like, I'm going to play the guys who do the right thing all the time. And, and we've seen, even with some guys who are expected contributors, Marcus Washington being, being the case here, uh, wasn't available for that, that first, first half. Like if you're not going to do that, like, Matt Rule is not gonna not gonna bend that to 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 just to win a game, and there's no reason to in a year one scenario. Like you are really trying to lay the foundation for what's going to come down the road. Defensively, Nebraska did play 24 guys on the participation chart. Unofficially, that was the count was uh, 24, and there was a little Elijah Judy, MJ Sherman was in in a few key moments. Um, didn't make necessarily any splash plays though to your point didn't necessarily notice some some of those guys um what about in particular though the lack of touches for i think what we all perceived is maybe the two top offensive threats on the edges thomas fedoni billy kemp combined they what a catch if that none one one yeah one one for Kemp for a, a couple yards. Um, is that something Nebraska needs to address? It seems like it is. Um, yeah, I mean the the Fedoni one, I could see a little bit, a little bit more. Um, you know, he, he's been in the program for a long time, but wasn't able to play. Unfortunately, he 
been in a game. He's been on the sidelines. He's traveled like he's he's used to all that stuff. But really, it was you know pretty similar to a, to a freshman debut for him. So that one you can kind of kind of chalk up potentially to that. The Kemp one is is a bit more confusing to me, specifically because you know they targeted him. I think just maybe once or twice. But it's as a slot guy, like he he's a player like you could run, you know, something specifically for of like, we just got to get him the ball. And uh, to not have that uh, stands out a little bit, but the game still is just just weird. And like how much how little actual football there was in it, just with the way the, the two teams play. Yeah. Vogues, uh, your day looks like what? How much college football are you going to consume? As as much as possible, which means as much as uh, as much as the the young ones will will allow for. Um, but definitely going to make a point to uh, to pay close attention to this Colorado TCU matchup, and then uh, Boise State Washington in in the afternoons got some got some intrigue for me as well. You're not That's tuned awesome. into Ohio State Indiana. Um, uh, I'll, I'll tune in to you. That'll be the between commercial games for the first quarter, at which point I, I Ohio State will be up 21-7, and I'll, I'll be good on that. Vogues uh, of the counter read with us and at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Thanks for making time this morning. Uh, Brandon, good to talk some ball with you again. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate you. There he is. Welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, how's your uh, last two days been, man? What a whirlwind in minneapolis yeah um you know what i used the word yesterday and you guys have talked already here in a short amount of time about this and i still feel this way on saturday morning thursday night was so deflating i mean i'm Mm. i i I think if you're a doom and gloom person Mm. I, i got no time for you that's the first game i saw enough that i'm in it for the long game with rule to see because i it's not immediate satisfaction that there were some things that are different that I saw on Thursday night. But to play that way where you can play so much better and still have an opportunity against a Minnesota team that I think is exactly who you are in 2023, it was just really, really deflating. Um, And that's why the curiosity, like, really starts to peak on how Rule handles Thursday night and what it does a week from the day when they play Colorado. So – I don't know. It, it was. It's great to have football back. Period. It's just. It's one of those. If you've been around here for a while, that was a gut punch. That I don't know if there was a point in the fourth quarter where you could solidly say, "Oh, Nebraska is going to win the game," because we've all been through this. And 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 I wonder if even some of the returning guys were like, "All right, can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it?" And it didn't happen. Gary, do you think that the way that that game ended with the collapse at the end? Do you think that's that's forced Husker fans to, to change the perception of the game? Or do you think that should be the, the perception of the game, if you follow what I'm saying? Because I think there was some improvement in a lot of areas. But at the end of the day, everyone's going to talk about how the game finished. And, and should that be the the top takeaway from the game, that Nebraska yeah. found a way to lose again? Or, or do you think the takeaway should be, you know what, Nebraska, probably everywhere except wide receiver and quarterback, did look better than they did last season? Yeah, I think that's the balance. That that's I, Here's what I said yesterday. Guys, I think... You can't, you can't judge Thursday night and not include everything we've talked to leading up to that, where the starting point is in this program, where the, the skill level is, where the development, where the players are. Like things that we brought up as concerns 
or we brought up and went, man, that's pretty good. Or you listen to what Rule said during camp outside of Jeff Sims, where they pushed all their chips into the middle and his his arm actually I'll get to Jeff Sims in a bit. But I, I think you have to go back and you have to use that as a starting point to look at Thursday night's game. And so there's some good, there's some bad and some ugly. Um, but I, I think there's there's subtle things that they did that look like, OK, here we go. This area could help you. But then compared to others, it was like, oh, gosh, because, guys, I will tell you right now, in my opinion, hasn't changed a couple of days later. Nebraska is in trouble offensively. They got some major yeah. issues on offense. Now, the, the the skill at wide receiver, the ability to separate, go over the top, those things have been there. But, man, they got that, that offensive line. That offensive line doesn't look any different than it did last year. And one particular guy took a major step back in Turner Corcoran. Okay, and, and I'm glad you brought up Corcoran because – and you hate to call it out. No, you know but, what? Stop, stop, but, Mark. But, we need to, we need but. to, we need to, we need to fix this, okay? Because he's one of the highest-rated recruits that Nebraska football has ever yeah. had, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And and there's been a lot of patience with him, and we think that he's getting closer to being the guy that we expect him to be. He just simply got beat by football one on one the other night. That can't happen yeah. when you've played that much football. And so, and and to quantify what you're talking about, there's there's a. Uh, a unit called pro football focus. If you're not familiar folks that grades everybody and it's a little controversial. Some people are like, ah, it's good. Ah, it's not good, but it's a, uh, wow. And we just had like a weird loud fire alarm <laughs> thing happening here at the uh, hotel. There is no fire. We are safe. Everything's going to be fine. Um, but so pro football focus grades each individual position and provides a grade and Turner Corcoran yeah, I thought I, th- I had to kind of like rub my eyes, be like, is, well, hold on a second. Am I reading this right? So he rated literally, and, and you, it's like one to a hundred grade, which are similar to like, you know, grades back in, you know, grade school and high school, where it's like, if you get a 70 or something, that's okay. You got like a C. Yeah. If you got an 80, wow, pretty good. 90, wow, you played lights out, right? He, gra- I've never seen this before. He graded a zero like a zero in pass protection. Like, so pro football focus evaluated basically saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, nobody there would have been as effective as somebody, a zero. That is, that is really hard to do. Um, That is so concerning. Like, is it the end all be all? Did they maybe miss something? Is it possible to get his, he literally got a zero on pass protection you you, yeah (laughs) like well there's a there's a there's a there's a play early in the game where the defensive lineman comes across his face and uses a spin move Mm -hmm. and it's almost like he'd never seen that before and and that can't if if he's a freshman or a redshirt freshman i I can go okay he just hasn't played much football he's somebody that's played a lot of football and then it's tied into the Nebraska needs those guys to be good, and they were not good enough on Thursday night. Even my guy, who I think is going to have a big year, Ben Scott didn't have a great game. So it was just, it was, you know what, it, guys, what it looked like? It looked like two teams playing on Thursday night that that was their preseason game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was bad football in that game. I mean, there was a lot of <laughs> bad football. Um, yeah. and, 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 unfor- and unfortunately for Nebraska, Minnesota found a way in a bad football game to make winning plays at the end. Now, there are some good things. 
I, I think the defense gives you hope, and I need to apologize to Ed Foley because I thought the special teams were darn near perfect. But that offensive yeah, line, that offensive line, and the rest of that offense. I mean, Jeff Sims beat two teams on Thursday night. He beat Minnesota with his legs. He beat Nebraska with his arm. <laughs> one one quick point I want to make on Corcoran here because I do want to come back to the, the defense of Corcoran. He does need to be better, being the highest rated recruit in in Nebraska, not history, but a uh, recent memory at least. And I look at it and I go, that is a guy that has been. I mean, he's played left tackle, he's played left guard, he's played right tackle, he's played right guard. He's been moved all over the place. No coaching staff has ever quite found where Corcoran belongs. And you feel for a guy like that that's just been shuffled around throughout his entire Husker career. But at the same time, as you said, he wasn't getting beat schematically. That's one thing. Whenever you're making mental errors, that's one thing that's correctable. He was getting beat just physically, as you laid out with the spin move, with the power move. It was... Just a guy that did not look physically prepared to be playing on the Big Ten on the lines of scrimmage. And I think that's what was most concerning about Corcoran. And and you hope that Prohaska is able to, to get back from the injury and keep some semblance of, of health because I don't think it could get worse than what we saw from Corcoran at the left tackle spot. Elsewhere on the offensive line, I think there was progress running the football. Pass protection wasn't perfect by any means. And maybe that's why Nebraska decided to go with the running quarterback because, hey, we're going to uh, need to have a running quarterback based on how we feel our offensive line's pass protection is going to be. It wasn't perfect. looked marginally better, but I do think the, the run blocking looked better from the offensive line as a whole. Well, uh, yes, and see here, they, they'd love to run between the tackles. I'll give, and I know Marcus Satterfield, and I, I have questions about him before even Thursday night. They were really creative in the run game, especially when they had to rely so much on Sims. Now, Jeff Sims a month from now ain't going to last if he's running the ball 19 times a game because he got bumped. He got bumped uh, some couple of key times. But what they were able to do in the run game, like maybe it was just a quarterback centric. I mean, they ran the triple option. They ran quarterback power. They ran quarterback follow. They ran some unique things they designed in the run game. But they don't want to do that. They want to run between the tackles. Guys, all you had to know is they had Gabe Irvin as a lead back for the quarterback. That's not a good sign if you're the five up front. I mean, what does that say to you if you just can't run the football with your running backs? Um, so they've got to fix that between now and, 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 and really the rest of the season because they cannot have Jeff Sims. There, there was too much Jeff Sims. That's what I'm trying to say. But in yeah. that game, it hit you pretty – it hit you in the face of, okay, we are a little bit discombobulated on offense and he's the only thing we really have going consistently. So run, Jeff, run. And, you know, for a while it worked. But it's they, just, they, go ahead, Smitty. No, I was say they. I think made a determination in the life of that game, saying uh, this is how it's got to happen for Nebraska to have a chance to win. So they just rode Sims. Uh, and uh, when it comes to play calling and decision making, Gary, you, you can't be afraid to throw the football because you got to have some balance. But in the same sense. Uh, do you think Sat was shocked? I know Nebraska fans were like, eh, especially after that second interception. But there was fear on that final drive with with the, the prospect of having to make a throw uh, to complete a pass to, to get into field goal range. And, and it ended up biting Nebraska with another pick. Well, so he is he is the guy that they pushed all their chips into the middle of the table. Right. We've all said. God, three years at Georgia Tech. Everybody you talk to Georgia Tech, he's going to be a dude. He'll be able to run the ball. He's going to punish some people. But his decision-making is out the window. 
And the coaching staff led by the head coach said, no, 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 he's different. Even his teammates said, you know what? He's throwing the ball better in camp. I, I was just, and I probably shouldn't, if you think about his time at Georgia Tech, guys, that looked like in the passing game, a first, first time quarterback from the decision making. Yeah. Okay. I, I think there's some arm strength there. But the oh, fact yeah. the just the pure just the pure decision making and the one on one of being a quarterback, I had no idea that that was going to be an issue because that last play. So they come out of that timeout. I think Jeff Sims was staring at Marcus Washington in the timeout. Yeah. And then they walked back to the huddle and he kept staring at Marcus Washington. And then they <laughs> went to the line of scrimmage and he was staring at Marcus Washington. And then the ball was snapped and he was staring at Marcus Washington. And yeah. everybody in the ballpark knew that he was going to throw yeah. the ball to Marcus Washington. How does that happen? The guy is in his fourth year. That's a major between the ears mistake football 101. And everybody read it and you threw right into it. Now, Moving forward, he's going to still have to throw the ball with wide receivers that are having trouble getting open, getting off yep. of the initial line of scrimmage. They cannot, and this is this is for Jeff Sims' benefit, that they kept going back to guys. You remember, you can't ask him to throw over the top of the linebacker to an under, underneath a safety. He can't complete that pass. And in the passes that he was able to complete, it was a little bit of quick game, Okay. And if that has yeah. to be the way Nebraska operates in the passing game, I'm okay with it. Is is quick game, get it out, get some blockers downfield, and try and pick up 7 to 10 to 12 yards. Gary, this quarterback yeah. race felt like it was done during spring football with Casey not, not making it in the spring and then eventually being, I'm not sure if you want to call it run out of town, but Matt Rule, from our conversation with, with Charles Thompson, made it clear that, hey, if I were you, I'd transfer. I think you can read in between the lines there if you're, you're a, a quarterback, what that means for you. Revisionist history, looking back on that, do you doubt that decision now that you've seen Jeff Sims in one game, or is that too small a sample size for you? Well, okay, so two things. I'm, I'm sorry to bring this up. Two things got me triggered after this game. One, curse talk, okay? And then the other about, well, if Casey Thompson, <laughs> if, if Casey Thompson was playing, Nebraska would have won. Okay, was Trey Palmer playing? Hmm. No. Okay. Did you need for the quarterback to run? Yes. Okay. That's... They, they, and, 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 and you know what? And I like Casey and I, and I kind of get what they did when they got here. They wanted their guy, but he, that's the first test of rule with the fan base is they went all in on Jeff Sims, like Jeff Sims. He's not being benched unless he gets hurt. They went all in and his first game, all of us went, Oh boy, that guy looks not in anything different. That's that. That's a problem you have to fix. But is it Jeff? Sim guys, moving forward, what do you believe? Is it Jeff Sims fixing fixing himself, or is it Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield and the rest? Because Sims is the kind of quarterback that needs the running backs and the offensive line and the wide. He needs he needs all the other pieces instead of winging a game on his own. Is this become a case of we've seen one game, we know what we have, we've got to design and operate to help the quarterback instead of the quarterback yep. helping us. You no, nailed it. You, no, yeah, no. this. It's it's a hundred percent it, Gary, because it is it's it's really clear you have a couple things uh with, with Sims where you're right about him locking on a receiver, which is an easy thing to say, I think. And I think some people say that even when it's not true, but in this case it is a hundred percent true. Like yeah. and, and if you go back and you look at his Georgia Tech film, same deal. I mean that yeah. that's just who he is, right? Like he locks on a guy. He's pretty accurate. It's not like he's totally inaccurate. He's got a strong arm, 
but he absolutely locks on a guy. So how do you hedge against that, especially with a unit that, you know, has a tackle that registers a zero when it comes to pass protection? Like, that's not going to be your thing. Just admit it, right? Rule in the post game was saying, oh, we got to let Sims spin it. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you don't, dude. You do not have to let him spin it. You don't. So what you need to do, and, and of course, we had this all figured out. Very easy. But, but, but truly, truly, your best shot, your best shot is to show restraint, keep it on the ground. The only time Sims throws is play action or on a run pass. You just don't do those things. <laughs> Yeah, about the last 10 seconds that you questioned froze. I think the the Wi-Fi at the old Hilton went down for just a second. Yeah, damn it. What do you do? Well, it was basically saying what Sims needs, it it needs to be show restraint offensively, keep it on the ground even when your play sheet says that you should, you know, open it up and and really limit Sims passing situations to, to hard play actions. In that way, be a Jamal Lord. Right. <laughs> like that's the stuff that worked for Lord was hard play actions, tight end deep. That's the that's the extent of your of your passing game. Yes, I but, but the, the passing game is kind of interesting because you guys talked about with Brandon. Uh, the, the, the usage of the tight end, I mean, one of them could have had a tight end and Borkature wide open. That goes back to the Sims. Just just field awareness. Um, I. I don't know what happened with the tight ends. Um, you know, Fedoni took 39 snaps. He had zero targets. Yeah. I, n- n- all four of us, there, we could have never imagined that. The problem with wide receiver is they don't have anybody to, to blow off the top. Well, they, they do, have- but he's not ready yet. Malachi can. Malachi did on one snap. He came well, in, and he did yeah. get loose downfield. But oh, oh, and, and that's true, and, that's, and, and that you bring him along. But yeah. if I'm in that wide receiver room, they had to bring Tommy Hill over from the defense to try and blow the top yeah. off. Okay, yeah. that's not good. But they also have a problem. This isn't new, guys. And and and, and I, 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 I cachet this with Marcus Washington didn't play in the first half. But when Marcus Washington was out there, Sims was a lot more comfortable in the passing yeah. game. Is They have trouble with guys getting off the line of scrimmage. Minnesota was winning a lot of battles at the line of scrimmage. So those wide receivers were not getting separation, even to get downfield just a little bit. I mean, look at Nebraska's lone touchdown was basically a bust, okay, where it turned into a wild and wacky play. Um, So they've got to do something in the short passing game to basically help themselves, okay? Um, And then then Marcus Washington is going to be your guy moving forward until you get those freshman wide receivers up to speed. Who are those guys? that can run go routes and you say, Sims, just throw it up and look at that. Malachi is down there. So they've got some things to figure out in the whole passing game because they've got some limitations that I don't think are going to disappear anytime soon. Um, you know, and I think, I think Ramir is a weapon. I think Ramir yeah. is a, is a, he's kind of a utility guy that is going to need to have more touches in the passing game. It's just, it was a discombobulated offensive night. And I think things went wrong for Nebraska on offense and then Satterfield and Rule didn't know how to adjust. And then also, I thought Nebraska had trouble with the clock rules. I thought there was a lot of confusion a lot of times on the sideline during the offensive possessions on who's in the game, how much time is on the clock, what are we doing here? And thus, you had penalties by guys who are in the program for a while that are the most consistent guy in camp like Piper. And it just, 
it was a mess offensively. And thank God the defense gave you hope. And it did. To me, it gave me hope. I, I, I think Nebraska's, if there's a major takeaway from Thursday night, is Nebraska has a competent defensive coordinator. Tony White knows what the oh, hell yeah. he's doing. Yeah. They're, they're competent, Sharpie, in defense after one game reaction. They're competent after one game with special teams. It's really what can that, what can that offense become and how complimentary can they be? Is it going to be one of these seasons where you got to hold a team to 13 or 10 and you got to be able to score 13 or 14 or 17, which that sounds pretty Big Ten anyway, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, you're just hoping with the the athleticism that you have can match uh, maybe more of a high-powered expectation, and, and there's a long way to go with that. Sharpie, I want to get your take on what next Saturday means. It is Deion Sanders Day is prime and company two hours away from kickoff mm-hmm. in Fort Worth. It's important. It's nostalgia. It's fun. It's Nebraska-Colorado next Saturday as we'll all be out in Boulder. That being said – uh, it gets pretty do or die for the Nebraska outlook. Do you agree with that take for 2023 if they don't get out of Boulder, at least with a win, and start yeah. the year one and one? Yeah, I, I mean, zero oh and two. You know, I, I mean that would that pretty would that, that would be a little uncomfortable. But but I think here here's now what happens uh, for next Saturday in Boulder is what have you done in the meantime in the teaching moment? See, here's here here's why I'm not I'm de- I'm deflated. I'm disappointed. I sh- everybody should be pissed off because that was an opportunity to win a football game on the road and Nebraska wasn't able to close it out and they weren't able to do things in the fourth quarter that Rule had preached. But I saw a guy at the end of the game, guys, and tell me if I'm wrong, a guy that loses a one-score game that I think sitting there didn't have the deer-in-the-headlights look, and he had sure. it figured out right away of what ailed them. So this becomes a Matt Rule week where he's got a teaching moment because he's now dipped his toe for the first time in this one-score loss, this close loss, these deflating losses. And he's got guys in that room that are like, oh, boy, here we go again. But Coach has been preaching. We're going to – so this is a big week for Matt Rule. Teaching moment to get them ready to go. But I think you'll see – I think they'll also figure out who is the best players to have on the field. Um, defensively, they're still going to play a lot of people. But I think offensively, they will whittle down the amount of guys that they have out there playing. And I think you'll see a different approach when they go to Boulder. Um, I just, you know, I think they're going to, they're going to, for a while here, they're going to have to rely on that defense to give them enough to keep them in the game. They're nowhere near the 09 defense, but I think this defense by the end of the year will at least be five, six ish in the Big Ten, maybe a little bit better because you can tell they have been, they've repped well, they've done very good film study. Um, they tackled better for a first game Nebraska team that I recall in a while. There's a lot of yeah. things on defense and special teams that I think while your offense tries to find their shoes, I think gives you hope. But they're going to have to they're going to have to play a pretty spotless game out in Boulder, regardless of what CU looks like, because you don't want to go two games where you're really, really clunky, especially after everything you've talked about during camp. So that that game has a ton of intrigue. And, and I think for the psyche, that game has to – you have to get on the plane in Boulder with a, a check mark in the left column of the win. Gary, if that offense still does look clunky, and you laid out the fact that, that Matt Rule immediately following the game knew what ailed the offense, I think most of the state did with the three turnovers. And, and I, I'm not, I'm not uh, making fun of you by any means. I think that it's deeper than just turnovers. I think there's some element of 
of needing to to put Sims in positions where he can be his most successful. But if if the offense is still clunky against Colorado, do you worry about Nebraska being the 2023 version of what Iowa was last year and that your defense is going to have to keep you in every game that you play and your defense is going to have to make some plays if you are going to go win? Yeah, we're, we're making fun of Iowa City in the drive for 325. Is there going to be a drive for 325 in Nebraska? But but let me ask you three, because because I trust your opinion as football guys. Because in my head, I'm like, I, in, in my head, I'm thinking, why was how was rules so off on Jeff Sims? Well, I watched that game because he he doubled down on Jeff Sims numerous times. And it's the decision making that really gets to me that I just – I can't believe some of the the post-snap judgments that he was making. But you three are really good football people. Your audience trusts your opinion. Am I overthinking this, that between Thursday night and Saturday in Boulder, why not roll Jeff Sims out of the pocket? Cut down yeah, half the him. field for him? Dude, yeah, move, move him, him, dude. It's Yeah, get his, move get his him legs. Move him in play action. Move him in play action. Yeah. And that's I just it. run past Nothing option else. him to death. Give Nothing me a tight else. end. Give me a, give me give me Ramirez somewhere I can dump it off for five. Give me a tight end that can get open over the middle. And Schmidt froze up here, and uh, we'll see if he comes back or not. As there's about five, maybe. <laughs> All right, <laughs> pick your favorite four, and 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 go. Yeah, Probably yeah it really is. Sorry, but it's, that's my thought. Find guys and, and let him move and, and, and use his legs. And guess what? His athleticism can and will take over. He's shifty. He's powerful. He's fast. And it's, he can he can tuck and, and go and pick up 12. It's, 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 it's the same thing that I think staffs here have struggled with for a long time. And it's being what you are versus what you want to be. And I think of Good all point. the offensive coordinators that have come through here, Tim Beck was probably actually the best at, and everybody hated him at the time too. Everybody hates the offensive coordinators no matter what. But in hindsight, he he wasn't trying to be something they weren't. He was just like, this is what we are, right? We got some, got some decent receiving talent. We got a quarterback that eh, makes some questionable decisions. So they kept the game simple for him. They didn't have him stand back and try to carve up a secondary with multiple reads. He just, I mean, if that's not what you are, don't do it. And by the way, if 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 you're going to do that with Sims, if if you're going to run him, and people are worried about, oh, what if he gets hurt? Well, look who's backing him up. It ain't Joe Montana. It's Heinrich Harburg. It's Chubba Purdy. And guess what? Those dudes are also basically better runners than they are throwers, right? Like that's what you are. Just admit it. <laughs> Go with it. Yeah. Embrace it. Be different. You know, you've tried for a couple decades now to, to be this, like, NFL factory or whatever. You've, you've put exactly zero quarterbacks in the NFL. You've put, like, four receivers there in 20 years. Like, quit mm-hmm. optimizing. Well, this is what the pros, the, the kids, the, the recruits won't come here because they want to play in an NFL. You ain't putting them in the NFL. They, think, <laughs> they don't come. They, there's nobody out there that's like, God, finally Nebraska's doing that pro style where I can, that's my direct path to the league no you ain't going there you, you might make it despite what nebraska's doing like you, you, you need yeah 
and, and let's also look at the Big Ten. That for some reason, the Big Ten doesn't necessarily embrace the running quarterback, much like Nebraska has in its illustrious history. It allows you to be different, too. You can be different. You could admit that you're not going to pump a bunch of dudes into the NFL. And you can maybe, I don't know, win some effing games. Right? Like, I just, I don't know. Mark, it, with all that in mind, it, though. It doesn't seem that hard. It doesn't seem that hard to me. I, I just I just think they're making it harder than it has to Mark, with all that in mind, what's your take on Jeff Sims having 19 attempts? I know a couple sacks in there inflate that number a little bit, but 19 rushing attempts for Jeff Sims. What's your reaction to that? Is that too much? It's a little high. It's a little high. I think you I think you knock about five. A little off high. It's, it's a little high. I, but I, but I don't think it's terribly high. I mean, Schmitt, McCaffrey he's, thinks McCaffrey thinks it's a little high. He's dude. He's six four, two thirty. Like he can take a, a. He's not some, you know, delicate flower that we're talking about. Elijah, it's just you and I. For now, they're going to come back here in about three. Five. Oh, don't we? Oh. We got the frozen thing going on. We're back. Sorry. So take about five runs off of his tally, right? And add about five to the to the tailback tally, right? Give give Sims twelve to fifteen runs a game. Make sure the tailbacks get a lot more than they did uh, in the in the last game. Who 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 is that running back? That's another question from Thursday night. Is does no, who is Nebraska's number one running back? Grant, but he needs to go Tiki Barber in his in his ball carrying style, right? Like he needs to be. Like like the program, he needs to be walking around campus holding that damn ball, right? He needs to uh, he he needs to cover it up more or something. But between he and Irvin and and Ramir, you got enough there. And even if you're only getting three four yards, that's okay. Milk some clock, punt it deep, hey. play field position, be what you are. I I thought I thought Matt Rule did not do Anthony Grant a favor for Thursday night. First of all, Anthony Grant is still that guy that wants to bump it to the outside, which is bit. one of the reasons why they've been upset at him. But if you go back, man, and 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 I thought Wally of Minnesota made a really nice play. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you know why he was going for that kind of play? Because the head coach said two weeks ago that the reason that Anthony Grant wasn't the number one running back is he can't hold on to the football. Yeah. So what do you do if you're Minnesota? You're like, hey, when 23 is in the game. He's trouble prone. Yeah. You can you can you can you can strip him. You can punch it. I mean, I don't know, guys. It was it look. There's just a lot of things on offense from the Omar Brown interception to what do you do? I have no problem on the first play taking a home run shot, but then what are you doing on second down? Because right. then on third down you're like, oh gosh, we're in trouble here, and you gave the football right back. There's there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. You can fill up a whole sheet of of uh, Manila paper. Um, but there was, there was some, there was some stuff that I liked that I was encouraged by, but then there were some things that in terms of game management, like that scenario that I just, wow, that's the, that, that, that's, that's the first game of the season. That's what it looked like. You know what? Uh, the, these, you're talking about that, that opening series in the fourth quarter where they are three and out where it's three straight pass plays instead of putting Hill in to go deep. Run, run that RPO for me where you're running yeah. the slant to camp on the, on the first down play call. Look at me be an armchair a hole. Sorry. But, but cause that, that, that RPO was open. That got tipped. That was going to be a, a, a giant uh, gain, uh, but you're, you're having to run it on second and 10 versus yeah. first and 10. I just, 
based on what, what they've seen through practice, through trying to get ready for this first game, do you think they had a good grasp on what they thought they could do? I know what they called. I know they put time and effort and work into try and planning something offensively from a coaching staff perspective through fall camp and even through game one. Good luck finding out what you're good at and then trying to build around that so you can go get some scores yeah. in both next week because they may not know. if The guy shows you one thing in practice, but here comes the decision-making in the game time. You you know, if you're Satterfield, you probably weren't expecting that. You expect, if you're Matt Rule, you were hoping for better decision-making because uh, it goes without saying that, that yeah, you hope the guy doesn't put uh, the ball in danger. So you got, um, you, got, you got to be the same guy in practice, and, and hopefully it carries over to the, the game Saturday. Guys, I think – I think what kind of started the rockiness of the offensive, everything fitting together, I think the offensive line not being in sync and dominant really threw them off. Good. I think, I think, I I think, I think quietly they knew that Jeff Sims decision-making could teeter on jumping off the plank, but I (laughs) think they, they put the game plan together where they thought the offensive line would hold its own and they'd be able to do some things that when it all of a sudden had some leaks in it, I think then they went into a little bit of uh-oh because then that's when it became the Jeff Sims legs show. So sure. I think that caught them off guard that they did not kind of game plan for. I think they game planned for, we think our five up front are going to be at least good enough that we'll be able to run with the running backs and we'll be okay to churn yeah. the clock and do that kind of stuff. And I think they found out right away that that was not the case. Yeah, listen, and I that might also just be, hey, your introduction back into the Big Ten. Like, the Minnesota has been tough sledding for Nebraska going, I mean, almost the whole time Nebraska's been in the league. Like, they have competent defensive linemen. Yeah. They have really good players in the secondary. They're, they're not an easy team. to. The only time Nebraska's done anything against them offensively of note is really, what, 2018 – uh, when Frost got his first win, and you schemed a couple yeah, of huge runs for a, yeah. yeah, you schemed a couple of huge runs for a Zigbo where he was wide open, but that was kind of it too, right? And you had a, a couple long Martinez runs, but they're they're tough to go against, right? And I think that's part of it also is, and and you you know maybe they like maybe they thought their offensive line would be more dominant, but that's kind of the that's kind of the Big Ten, and that's kind of Minnesota in particular, like it's tough sledding. And well, so you have to they're be hard-headed and stick with it, yeah. even if you're not getting the results you want. You got to just keep making hay so that it opens up on the floor. Adding to your point, Mark, you know we we we, we debated all off-season of hey, man, it's great to play Minnesota in the first game. You know, it's actually for Nebraska. Minnesota is probably the worst opponent to play in the first game. And this, again, I think these two teams are very similar. I think that is a quick lane bowl team that Nebraska lost to Thursday night. That's a seven-win team. They've got they've got some issues. If Nebraska wins a game like that, if they if Nebraska plays the role of Minnesota and wins at the last second, Nebraska is yeah. still in jail in Hennepin County because they would have stolen that victory. <laughs> Minnesota Minnesota got the victory and they got out of Dodge. Okay, they said thank you for coming. We got a victory. Whew, we're one to zero. But I think adding to your point, Mark, Minnesota without a preseason game in college playing game one is a tough team to play because they hit the snot out of you. I mean, yeah, they, they hit. hit you and they thump you. 
they're not yep. as talented as they've been the last couple of years and 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 not like the 19 team but boy there is one thing that is constant across pj fleck in his seven years is they will thump you they will hit you and i don't think in their first game there were certain guys that were ready for that physicality right out of the gate they're going to be ready for that because that's what this program is building to but not night yep. one when you haven't had a preseason game and that's the first opponent you play that doesn't look like you and they smack you in the mouth right away and you go, whoa, what's going on? Hey, hey and give Nebraska some credit, though, too, because they did also. Nebraska was hitting. Hey, and that, hey, that was that was evident. And, there, and, there's, and look, dudes on, there's dudes on the defense that are hit stickers. Oh, yeah. And yeah, absolutely. Like it was it was a pretty, pretty even match, right? Like pretty even matchup. But I thought, too, even Minnesota offensively, uh, they had to execute. I mean, they had to make incredible plays to get through, right? I mean, the 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 catch in the end zone was a fantastic play, right? Even even defensively, when Grant fumbled, that was a that was an excellent punch on the ball, textbook. Like they they had to they had they, they couldn't just sort of line up and beat Nebraska, <laughs> you know? They yeah. couldn't. They had to they had to have playmakers make exceptional plays in order to eke out a victory so nebraska can at least take some some solace in that and by the way gray woman in the stream had uh had written something pretty damn funny it's up a ways <laughs> she, she wrote no when it's time to get out of minnesota the game was two days ago unless you're hostages it's time an important point, Gray Woman. If you yeah. haven't, been Gray listening. Woman, we're we're seeing Pearl Jam yeah. tonight. Then Pearl we, Jam is tonight. Yeah, we make okay. we make a run for the border. Yeah, and then we're then we're leaving. Okay, fair then point. We'll be in Boulder. Fair wow. point. You're going yeah. straight We're gonna... from Minneapolis to Boulder. You guys got a great life. <laughs> well, and, and you know what we could do, by the way. You know what we could do is go Maybe Washington and North Dakota connection. State today at U.S. Bank. Oh, geez. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now we're back. Uh, Eastern Washington and North Dakota State are playing at U.S. Bank Stadium today, too. That's a it's possible if we want to go watch that and, uh, you know, watch North Dakota State, which hey. plays exactly like what we want Nebraska to play like. Hey, Schmidt, when you said that, he looks so excited to go see another football game this weekend. <laughs> he was talking about it yesterday off the air. I heard him. He's like, you think anyone wants to go to this one with me? Like North Dakota State, Eastern uh, Washington. No one does. No one does. We're just going to watch. <laughs> you you hey. go ahead. I'm going to watch Dion, hey. man. Hey, speaking yeah. of you, you brought up North Dakota State. That's another thing. Like this is where the balance of deflating is. Man, I saw what the I saw what the end goal is supposed to look like, but yet the real result looks too familiar. Is that game actually was so Matt Rule? It was very methodical. It was it was hey here we come. This is what we're gonna do. Um, there were like elements that I was like okay, that's what it's yeah. supposed to look like under Matt Rule. But not yeah. to get the result that you wanted. It just is that's the that's the deflating part of opening night when you had it in your grasp, a golden opportunity, and just once again the the wild stat that is out there. And and a, and a good friend of uh, uh, mine, and and I know interacts with uh, you guys' show, uh, Stu Manji on Twitter, Eric, who has all kinds of stats. He tweeted out a stat on Thursday night, well after the game was over. Rule is the third straight first-year head coach to lose his first game by one score, and two of them have been on the last play. Yep. Oh, geez, that's right. Mike yeah, Riley, Riley with and BYU. Matt Rule. <laughs> yeah, Riley with BYU, and then yeah, yeah. Wow. Go ahead. 
we're getting really good at it. Nebraska, I mean, if nothing else, we all know how to deal at this point. We all know how to cope. <laughs> and uh, you well, know, so that's sure. I mean, I, sure I would, we do, guys. I would, I would, I would have never thought that you're up ten three with about five minutes to go, and that by the time the game ends, Minnesota would have scored ten points. I know that that was that's sooner magic esque, right? I mean, it's Keith Jackson mm-hmm. down the sideline for them to score that many points, ten minutes and or ten points in three minutes with that offense. Against a, thought, a defense that had been playing really well for Nebraska. Yeah, I, I really wanted to see Tristan Alvano because I thought what I thought when Nebraska got into Minnesota did. territory, I, I thought they're gonna they're gonna squeeze the clock and they're gonna set it up and Alvano will step in and he'll punch in a field goal from fifty yards or so. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he was practicing it, and, they, and, and the assistant coaches were yep. clearing out room for yep. him. They're like, "Hey, stay away from Tristan." But, as he but prepares give, to give, give credit yeah. to Minnesota. They made winning plays, and the Greek missile did on third and fourth down. Because remember, I also thought they're done when they got the third down penalty that moved them back. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, wow, this is actually – this might happen. But, I mean, Hartzog won't want to see that on tape anymore. And the and Jackson made a great catch and even better slide in the foot. It's just Nebraska didn't make winning plays. They, they, didn't, they didn't make winning plays throughout the course of 60 minutes – that they wouldn't have had to worry at, about mm-hmm. the end. And that's a lesson that this coaching staff is going to have to learn to with the guys that are here of how you put that all together. But, you know, good, bad, the ugly, it's game one. But you can't let Thursday night beat you next Saturday in Boulder. Amen. If you do, then then we're going to have a heated discussion around the state on talk shows on Monday morning. Gary, that seems yeah, to me to be yeah. a, a fitting place to, to end the Husker talk. Anyone else have anything else they want to add? Because I want to get Gary started on high school football last night. Millard West upsets yeah. Omaha North. The parity in Class A seems to be just uh, at an all-time high right now. And I want to get Gary's thoughts on, on what we saw in the Friday night action last night. Yeah, that was an impressive win by Petey. They went over to North and beat him on a last-second field goal. I will tell you, Millard South shutting out Elkhorn South 33-0 also caught me off guard. I, and, and Carson Ronner, the quarterback for Elkhorn South, who is just a tank, got injured. But mm. I can't recall a Guy Rosenberg team being shut out. Millard South, Ty Wisdom, He's in his second year, took over when Andy Means retired, came from Arizona, came back to Nebraska from Arizona. Um, they got they got some good things going at Millard South. But at the end of the day, and we get it Friday night, Omaha West Side and Bell West, I don't know who's touching West Side. They're not yeah, gonna yeah. get complacent. Yeah. They are loaded and they don't they they every week they try and get better. That'll be a great game Friday night. But you're right. There there's at least I think there's West Side. And then there's a, a middle of the pack where there is some parity yep, yeah, okay. um, in class A. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Well, if we were to do a journal entry on this uh, Husker situation, right? If we were to do a journal entry at this point, I think it would probably be just to put a bow on this game. It feels like the program is in better hands. There are a lot of things to like. Yeah. You see some good physicality, but man, you got to figure out your offensive identity. And that's going to take some time. Yeah. That'll probably take. You know, they, they they just they just saw for the first time what they actually have in a game situation in the Big Ten. And it's going to take them a little bit. They, they need to figure out who they are identity-wise, but that's kind of it, right? Everything else seems competent or okay. So you can put your pen down, who are we, question mark, dot, 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 yeah. dot, 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 yeah. dot. Like, if you're, like mm-hmm. really, that's uh, it. You just got to figure out your offensive identity, right? And admit who the hell you are. <laughs> just admit what it. can you do? Well, yeah. next Saturday, next Saturday, having a full game of Marcus Washington will greatly be big. help. Yeah. 
Yep. Sharpie, enjoy your football weekend, man. Thanks for jumping on with us. Good to get caught up. Hey, you want you want I, me to talk to Eddie? What do you want to hear for the encore? <laughs> I, I saw Pearl Jam at Wrigley Field a few years ago. You guys are in for oh. a great treat, treat. They they just play, man. I mean, they've got such a huge catalog. They just play, and they are great in in uh, person. Um, so have fun. Great job, guys. I've really enjoyed all your coverage here around uh, Minnesota. I love the Twin Cities. You know, I went to my first semester in college was at the U of M. It was oh, just cool. too big for me or I would have stayed there. Uh, so it's always and then working for the Twins. It's always been a place I love. Um, so great it's job great. on your coverage with uh, all three of you. It's great. Town. If you have any if, if you have any wrecks on uh, sports bar football watching today as we matriculate towards St. Paul, we would love to hear them. We need a Gary. Uh, so you're going to the, you're going to the uh, XL, right? To watch. Yeah, uh, it's the, yeah where the wild play. Yeah. Okay. Uh, have you been to Red Cow yet? I went with Searles a couple of years ago. So I'm going to name drop like yeah, a loser. Take, Sorry. <laughs> take uh, take uh, take Cranek to uh, Red Cow. Sharpie, Red Cow? I I can't for, eat for a fantastic burger. I can't okay. eat any more meat. I had an 18 ounce. We had Murray's last night, Steakhouse. Have you heard of Murray's oh. Steakhouse downtown? Oh. It's oh, my, Yeah. Dude, yes. I'm, I'm still miserable. I want to no, go die somewhere. Because you, because you guys were at Lions Pub right next door. Yeah. yeah the exactly. Husker Bar in downtown. Yeah. So Murray's yeah. is fantastic. It's it, it can be a little pricey, but it is well worth it. They, yes. they take care of you. But those steaks, yeah, you immediately go into a coma. They actually have a room where you get to take a nap before you leave. <laughs> they should. They should. No, Where was that? And then, and then, and then hey, 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 and then when you cut through the steak, and it's just, it just, it just slices perfectly. Oh, we literally, they, yeah, we got I, the butter I, knife steak for two. There's a butter knife, steak. and that's their, that's what they call it. Yeah, yeah that is their signature item. Yeah, it was. Look fantastic. at you guys. I know, living it up, man. Living it up. Hey, Lions, Lions Pub, they they do it right, as you were there yesterday, Schmitty. That's pretty mm. cool. Did you uh, did you see some of the pictures of uh, former professional wrestlers? Yes, I posted I, I posted the Baron on Twitter last yeah, night. Yeah, so he's from Omaha. Yeah. Yes, and, and he's, he's doing the claw, and I sent the picture because it was an autograph picture to Babbers. Mike Babcock's the, uh, hmm. the, hmm. the, the, the – pro wrestling aficionado he loves pro wrestling so i had to send him a picture of the claw last night (laughs) it's in the back room yeah as you go into the back you've got the baron you've got rogier uh i think you have terrell newby and then there's um another couple of pictures of of nebraska players oh faulty they got a they got a tribute to sam faults which is really cool it was really interesting talking to the uh, to the owner too about you know they're they're, make, they're making the decision as to whether or not to to make it a Husker watch site, and as they kind yeah. of thought through, because a lot of different programs wanted them to, and he had to turn them all down. It was just funny listening to like why he would turn down a few of the fan bases. It's just like <laughs> oh, this was, was great. So He's like Nebraska fans love to get it going. They'll drink a lot of beer, and they're always even if they lose, they're good good people. And then he was talking about you know maybe another program that wears red that. Man, they come in here. They want to break stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just wild, right? Yeah. And then, a, and then a program that wears black and gold. They're like, yeah, no, they're just old. It's kind of old and don't really, you know, commit to it. Oh, it was great. So Nebraska, yeah, they decided as soon as Nebraska went in the Big Ten, they're like, oh yeah, sure, yeah, we'll we'll accommodate Nebraska here. And 
based on Oscar all the fans build it up. And I, I will, I will just stump for this too. I haven't been to a lot of Big Ten uh, venues. This is the first. I think it's the first one I've been to. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, yeah, wow, that's weird to say out loud. No, no, been to Ann Arbor also. Sorry, but as far as like Husker road trips are concerned, dude, Minneapolis is great. It's a it's a great city. Yeah. The, the campus is awesome. You got light rail that you can take. You don't even need to deal with cars and all that. Um, you don't have to rent a car. You don't have to do Uber. And then the campus itself, like yeah. in, in the, the stadium, like their, their stadium is more sturdy and significant than their program is. Like it's a nice, big, <laughs> good, legitimate facility, right? And you're just sort of like, yeah. man, it, it just feels like Minnesota could be so much bigger if boosters or anybody cared <laughs> right Charlie, yeah, i know I, mean, I, I, I know they i know they care it's just you got to remember that they know their place in a professional sports market yeah, where yeah. they are vikings vikings twins gophers yeah. and there's sometimes more attention to the arena across the street from the football stadium mariucci for the hockey program than there is for the football team sure yeah Last last thought here on on just the Minnesota experience uh, with our with our friend Ray next door. Just kind of hearing his take on the Crystal Christian Leitner era here. Uh, the uh, the the uh, the nickname of Tequila Tommy for a former Viking quarterback. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. some of the some of the the. Uh, E true Hollywood story behind the scenes, you know, the, the Tommy Kramer, Kramer era. Yeah. Tequila Tom. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. They, Hey, Hey, when they were, when they had it going, man, they had some characters. There's, oh. there's a lot of stories like a Scott Studwell. Yeah. Back in the day of, of John the Randall. Even, oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, Hey, you know what? I mean, the, the Vikings are huge. I, I, I went to a couple. Yeah. Of, I've never seen them at U.S. Bank Stadium, but I saw them at the Metrodome, and it was uh, it was a good time. Yeah, yeah. Good city. Hey, good road trip, too, because direct flights, you know, if you want to do a flight. It's just Allegedly. I like it. I'll, I'll be bad thinking this is going to be kind of a regular, you know, whenever Nebraska's up here. It's it's easy, it's close, and it's there's a lot more to do. You know, hey, can we can we uh, can we honestly say that next year will be the first time Nebraska football in a while has a as a normal home opener or normal opener? It's not going yeah. to Dublin. It's, gonna, it's not yeah. a conference game to start. It's not week zero. As of right now, it's UTEP to start next year. Well, but now Oregon and Washington got added to the mix, so God only knows what they're going to do. For I I I, the I know. There. Next, thing, next thing you know. Knowing Nebraska's luck, Nebraska will end up opening with USC next year. No, no, no. In Vegas. No, no. Listen, listen. Vegas. What, what's <laughs> going to be? On, on a Tuesday. Nebraska <laughs> on the road, UCLA. I'm calling my shot right now. That's how Nebraska opens the season. On the road against UCLA. Big noon kickoff, and then USC is going to go, and they're going to play at Penn State a night game to open the season. I'm calling my shot. Ooh. What is this? What is this? Four straight years, Nebraska's begun the Big Ten on the road. Is that right? Yep, it's no fun. The, the Big Ten is going to want one of those four teams to have a home game in the first week of the season. They're going to want it to be a helmet game, and they're not going to send the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, some of your college football playoff hopefuls on the road to go play out there. So who are they going to send? It's going to be Nebraska. I'm calling my shot right now. Hmm. Right. I like it. I don't want to go to L.A., though. I'd rather go to Eugene or Seattle. L.A. is ridiculous. You know? I don't know. If you all had to pick, where would you go? 
Do you want to go, go deal with that? Go to Oregon. Let's go to Oregon. Oregon's pretty good. I, see, I'd go Seattle. Let's go Seattle. Um, Where would you go, Gary? You know, Eugene, Eugene and Seattle were great trips. I don't know. I, I, you know, we haven't been to the Rose Bowl in a while. And the Rose Bowl looks different from the last time Nebraska played there. Um, I just don't want to deal with the traffic, traffic in L.A., though. The traffic is just eh. – It's the Rose Bowl. Two hours actually, to get anyway. I, actually, I think all four trips are pretty good. Because, I wow. I mean, we need to wash the, the bad taste of the uh, – what is that? The O – is it the 06 game? Yeah, the 06 game against USC oh. at the Coliseum. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that was within striking distance. And, you know, they just kind of burnt I think, clock I, I, and got out I of think, dodge. I think, I, I think Nebraska moving forward, they'll make two trips to the West Coast. So every year you're probably going to Los Angeles and you're just going to swap USC or UCLA. And then I think every year you're going to Eugene or Seattle. Mm-hmm. I could deal. Pacific Northwest is the best. And that's like the best part of the whole country. I mean, outside of the ridiculous, you know, they, there's some social issues happening up there. But in terms of actual scenery, actual scenery and stuff to do, awesome. Don't Except get Mark talking about this smack in Seattle ever again. Oh man, that led to some great hey. fans. <laughs> hey, did you go to? Uh, hey, did you go to um, the game in Eugene? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you yeah. and the you and the granolas were everywhere in that town. That town is a trip. So, like, it's kind of like yeah, imagine that town, Dundee. That, that town is on a trip. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, exactly. Imagine Dundee, like the Dundee area in Omaha, but it, it, every other house might be a weed shop or it might be a bar. Like, people just turn their houses into weed shops and bar. you're just walking down the street. House, 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 weed shop, but it's a house. Place is weird. And then and then you go to uh, and then you go oh dude we had a we tailgated there there's a brewery there called Ninkasi which is really good beer by the way Ninkasi Brewing they retrofitted a garbage truck and that's like their tailgating thing it's got taps coming out of it you can there's a deck on top like that's a thing and they and they do that all yeah it's and the, and the facility there by the way looks like the Death Star. That yeah. thing is crazy, which doesn't fit the rest of the hippie vibe. It's that's a it's a great place to go. Great place to go. They don't have the stuff in the Big Twelve. No, they no. don't. <laughs> no, you can't even get liquor at grocery stores in the half places in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah, All it's right. true. That's, that seems like well, a on good on, on that note, we'll uh, we'll say good luck and God bless Coach what? Prime and. Let's see if uh, Nebraska-Colorado can live up to the nostalgia. And that's why I want to get Gary's take on. Aside from uh, Colorado-TCU, what games you watch? And do you have any margaritas on tap in honor of Jimmy Buffett today? One uh, one Jimmy Buffett day? Well, Uh, did you hear the news? Do we need to to tell him? Did you not hear the news, Mark? Jimmy Buffett passed away last night. I did not hear. Ah, well, Uh, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. That sucks. Damn it! And Bob Barker just died too. Yeah, they're having a hell of a party upstairs today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. There, Bob Barker. Bob Barker is already there, and he's enjoying life. And he said to Jimmy Buffett, "Come on down." <laughs> is that what happened? Well, I don't. I don't have any sources. <laughs> but I'm just imagining that that's what happened. Hey, Gary, if you get any sources. 
on uh, the activities of, of, uh, of heaven, you let me know. That's, uh, that's a moneymaker yeah. right there. Hey, I know you guys are talking Colorado TCU. I'm very disappointed in Elijah because Elijah's on top of this. How come you haven't talked about the great CBS 11 a.m. game tomorrow? Who's that? Rutgers Northwestern. Oh, yeah. My Bring dear it. God. CBS hey, is gonna all of us sickos, let's get together. <laughs> all right. I'll buy the first round, <laughs> Hey, Rutgers and then you have – so you had Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio State, Rutgers, Northwestern. Welcome to the new Big Ten where there are a lot of conference games or two or three on opening weekend. That's what's yeah. going to be that's what's going to be like moving forward. So back to Elijah's original theory, maybe that's what 24 looks like. But man, Nebraska needs a normal opener for once. Yeah. Make it on a Saturday, make it week 1, make it at home. How's that sound? Is that too much to Whoa. ask for? Whoa, that's crazy. All three. All three. Sharpie, enjoy your weekend. We appreciate you greatly, man. Thanks, guys. Safe travels back home. We'll talk to you next week uh, in Boulder. All right. That sounds good. Gary Sharp with us, the Iron Horse, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. We are going to say adios and uh, get geared up for a day of college football. Talk to you on Monday. We are doing a Monday show with Hale Varsity. Four to six is uh, gear up for Nebraska, Colorado week. Thanks again.